Sometimes not having experience in an industry is good because you also have a refreshing, different perspective. Rather than seeing things as, well, this is the way it's done, you can say, well, actually, I want to do things differently. So don't be afraid if you've got an idea, but you almost don't know where to start. Just just try something small. Um, so even starting a website or Instagram or something like that, just to test things and talk people, just go for it. Welcome to Reinvention After 50, a Brand 50 podcast where we interview a large spectrum of entrepreneurs that have started their businesses later in life. Learn, be inspired, and get motivated by their stories so that you can take your life's experiences and turn them into your next venture. And now your hosts, Robert Erie Artboard and Stephanie O'Dell. Welcome to another episode of Reinvention After 50, a Brand 50 podcast. I'm Robert Erie Artboard, one of the co-founders, and today we have Stephanie O'Dell, interviewing Jacinth Bassett. Good job. She started a company called Bias Cut, which I want you to explain a little bit of what she does. Bias Cut is uh, an online, let me get this right, online age-inclusive independent online fashion boutique. So she gathers designers and she's out of the UK. So she gathers designers and lines around the UK. She has a couple of outside of the UK, but that are really age-inclusive and shows them on older models. So it really gives a visual for older women to see what the fashion might look on, like on them. And of course, starting a company like this, you would think she's in her 50s, but she's actually under 30. She's about 29. And it's interesting how she came from a family of lawyers. She actually started, I don't know if she finished her law, law degree. I think she did, she right? She did. She went to Cambridge and finished her law degree. Right, but then she really didn't like it and she loved fashion. But what I found interesting is that she not only liked fashion because, you know, of design work and all that, but the psychology of dressing up, how it makes you feel, how it makes women feel. So I found that to be a very interesting aspect of why she chose fashion. Yeah, and I, it's interesting. I know that she's under 30 and I've interviewed a couple people now that are under 30 or in their 30s. But I feel like it's such an uh, important intergenerational conversation that sometimes we don't look at younger people as um, people that we can collaborate with and work with. And she saw a problem. She was shopping with her mom and saw her mom not included in being a customer, really. She was pushed to the back of the store. She was not really taken as a serious consumer when she knew her mom was a consumer. And wanted to look good and feel good in her clothes so she saw a problem and i love the aspect of solving a problem for her mom mm -hmm. um, and they worked together on doing this she had no background in fashion she asked for help uh, she aligned herself with like-minded thinkers and just came up with a solution and a you know not an overnight solution it was a slow process yeah and you know she just started small and there was this one part of the podcast or the interview where she was talking about she went to one of those entrepreneur meetings where each person gets 20 minutes and it was all men and she just got ripped, which right. is amazing in this day and age that men would even say things like, well, you're a woman starting a business, so you're going to need help. You can't do it by yourself. Now, what I liked about that part of the interview was that she could have just completely given up and say, I can't do this, but it fueled her fire. And as a matter of fact, she was insulted that same evening and she went up to this person and was very direct with him. And a couple days later, he actually called her back because he liked her directness. Right. So she could have folded, but she kept going in. Right. And I think that's a powerful message too, for us all to kind of keep in mind that sometimes we do give up or we have people telling us not supporting our idea and sometimes you have to go elsewhere or you just have to continue to stand up for your idea if you really believe in it which she did and she made it happen yeah and little by little she's you know paving waves for you know women in their 50s to look great and not only look great but to feel great right and feel included i mean she's got this whole ageism is never in style she's she's part of a council no, now in the uk on ageism in fashion uh, she never be, thought she'd become an age advocate but she is and so just listen it's an amazing conversation and i really applaud the work she's doing and 
um, the collaborations that she's looking to build with other entrepreneurs. Welcome to Brand 50 Podcast, Reinvention After 50. I'm thrilled to have my guest here today, Jansynth Bassett from London. And so we're on a little bit of different time zone, but I started following you. Gosh, you've been in business since 2016, but I think I found you a couple of years ago. Jansith had started the Bias Cut, which is an all-inclusive age. Let me say this right. Age-inclusive independent online fashion boutique. Right. Um, <laughs> but you are not in your 50s. Uh, yeah. And I have started doing a few podcasts now with um, trailblazers and people that are really looking at age inclusion and intergenerational opportunities. And you are one of those people. You have been called a trailblazer by Global Health Aging. And you have started a campaign. You started a campaign, Ageism is Never in Style. And you um, started your company back in 2016. You were at law school at Cambridge. And I know I read that you were part of, you were doing the budget for the but was it the law? I was the president of the law society. Yeah. Yes. So I had to do a lot of budget work. Yeah. yeah. And you liked that and you started thinking about running your own business. And then yeah. in combination with your mother, Marilyn, who was also a lawyer or is a lawyer. Is she still a lawyer? No, she's retired now. Although okay. she, called, she says she's semi-retired, but she's retired. <laughs> um, started seeing that she was being excluded when you went into stores, you always had shopped together. And when you went into stores, you started seeing people and salespeople say, Oh no, we don't have anything for you and her being excluded and becoming invisible. And that's so true of women over 50, especially as our bodies change. And so you saw a problem and you came up with the solution. So tell us a little bit more about how everything got created with the bias cut and yeah, so so yeah, it was 2012 when I had the idea. I was still studying law, and um, I'd realised, as, as you so well put it, that I wanted, like, I liked business side of things, and law wasn't for me. And I loved fashion. It's always been the real love and interest of mine, beyond just you know clothes, but the industry itself fascinates me. The the psychology behind why people buy what they buy, what how clothes can make you feel, I find mm -hmm. really interesting. So I, I was thinking about that and I thought then about my mum who, so she had me at 40. So from my teens, she was in her 50s and we were going shopping and um, she just couldn't find clothes she would like to wear. As you rightly put it, changing body shape. Um, she had, she will say she had a very sedentary job as well, which Kind of, you know, I think we've all experienced what that can be like more recently with lockdown and the and yeah. COVID, what it means to be sitting down and how it changes your shape and, and can put a bit, put a bit of weight on, particularly around the middle. And, you know, with online shopping as well, she just, her natural mindset was this isn't going to work on me, which is very understandable given all the models, right? uh, you know, 20 year old women who, or if, if 20, if that you know, size eight or US, you know, zero or two. So, it was really that which I started thinking about how she felt excluded. And I just, I, I understood why the fashion industry is ages, the, the theory in the sense of, you know, this whole idea is aspirational, but which is a whole nother problem. Oh no, but, we want to talk about that yeah, today. For but sure. um, it, it, from an emotional sense, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And actually, logically, it doesn't make sense because, you know, women, as they get older, why why have they suddenly just stop liking fashion and style? It right. doesn't just disappear. <laughs> suddenly you turn 50 and, oh, no, I don't want to wear nice clothes anymore. So it actually didn't make any sense. So after I graduated, I, I spent some time developing the business, doing a lot of research, speaking to lots of women, doing surveys with women over 50, just really understand how they felt because, because I was younger. So I'm 29 now, but I would have been 21, 22 at the time, you know, and I'm very conscious. I'm still not, I'm still not obviously the customer, the, the, someone in her fifties. So I was very conscious of not ever wanting to seem like it was any sense of this is what you should wear. It's, right. it's very much an emotional experience. You're guiding me and the business on what you would love to see and wear. So I really wanted to connect with women in that way. And I started a blog actually in 2015, which was called The Bias Cut. 
And that was just to, again, develop the conversation, to understand more what we wanted, their opinion pieces on there, close suggestions. And it was really interesting to get the feedback. And one of the biggest things that, the biggest bits of feedback I received was through, when I did lots of surveys and studies, a lot of women actually said they didn't want to see women their own age as models and represented. About 50% said, I don't want to see someone in their 50s or whatever. Or they might have said, she can be my age, but any older. And another comment was, but younger's look better. And it really threw me because it, you know, it did make me think, have I got this completely wrong? And then what I realized was through sort of further investigation and discussion, what was the problem is they were they couldn't visualize someone their age looking and presented in a in a different way they were so used to seeing someone in their 50s looking you know dowdy from ready and they couldn't imagine the idea of somebody being very you know a beautiful woman in her 50s stylish cool someone that frankly a younger woman would want to aspire to be so I so I continued and actually it was really interesting when I launched the blog and the website I actually had some of those people who were quite negative come back to me and say oh I didn't imagine this at all I couldn't see this I actually really like this so that was quite an interesting experience so then I launched in 2016 I had zero contacts a very small amount of money just from doing a little bit of um, legal work and no contacts in fashion or marketing or anything so it was a very much a you know, working from the ground up. And I just did a lot of networking. I did some pop-up events as well. And then in two thousand and then in the summer, I had the idea for the Ageism is Never in Style campaign, which again I was very conscious. I didn't want it to just be my own voice. So I wanted to create a platform that united women and men around the world to be able to share their thoughts, be seen be heard support one another and so I started that up on on Facebook because it was you know just a, a sensible place to start it and really since kind of I'd say this time in 2016 so October 2016 is when things started just to pick up quite quickly I think through doing that doing more the content uh, having the platform we did some collaborations with some brands it all started to grow so it's grown really organically to date and we're now at point where there's five of us which is great um and the last year in particular we've seen pretty exponential growth which we've been very fortunate obviously because we're online to be able to continue with um the pandemic um and it's just when you know we're just taking things to the next level now with more more work where the the lead business partner in a key research study around ageism in fashion here in the UK that's starting this month. Um, we would you know, want to do more charity work, um, our campaign's growing. So yeah, everything's just really grown. And as I say, particularly the last year, having an amazing team around me. And what's lovely, it's a team of different ages as well. You know, these are people who, there's someone who's younger than me and there are people who are several decades older than me. And we're all united in our passion and what we want to see and this idea of age inclusive and fashion. So yeah. Well, I love the story. And I want to, my first question, of course, is what does your mom think about all this? <laughs> yeah, she loves it. I mean, she's very much in the heart and soul of the business. She, you know, some people say to her, oh, you're disappointed. Jacinth didn't become a lawyer. She's like, are you kidding? <laughs> I get lots of nice clothes. <laughs> to be honest, she complains now that she has too many clothes. I'm like, oh my I, can't, I can't win. You you didn't have enough clothes before and now you've got too many clothes. But no, I mean, she's like my number one ambassador. And, and actually also um, my boyfriend's mum is, um, who I'm close with, is equally a really strong supporter. She, as she said to me this morning, she's seen the business grow because we started dating just as I was building the business. So she's seen it grow as well. And they're hugely supportive but and the good thing is also I know they'll be honest with me so they they're not gonna say I like this or like that just to make you know to be nice they will be very honest with me and you know their feedback means a lot well I love the the journey I don't know if we talked about this I started celebrate the gray as a blog and yes. talked to 100 women same kind of thing and I so appreciate you talking to the end user because so many people think they have a great idea and they don't ever talk to the person they're building this idea for. Which to me is just crazy. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I know. But you're, I, you're so right. Yeah. 
And just the the value that you gave, the power you gave back to women, because I think one of the things I've learned is women can't be what they don't see. So they live in this story in their head of what aging looks like, and it's outdated. Yeah. And so when you see it updated, it's like, oh, I didn't even know that was possible. So you're offering possibilities to women to think about taking power back in their aging, which is such a gift. So I applaud you on that level Thank for sure. You. Yeah, I mean, I, the most rewarding thing is always hearing the stories, you know, customers writing to us saying, I, you know, I, I couldn't believe how much I got complimented. It's like as you get older, you get so used to not being complimented. I remember years ago when I was doing the blog, I um, I was taking some pictures of street style in Italy and this woman who was a mother probably in her 50s she assumed when I said take a picture I meant her daughter mm. she, she couldn't believe that I wanted to take her picture because she looked great and actually her daughter was so happy and so it's you know it's so lovely hearing the stories of confidence and and also trying you know we're known for color we're known for prints we're, we're known for being fun and playful with our clothes and it's really lovely seeing women go you know, I, I didn't think I could wear this. We actually had a customer the other day, a long-term customer who emailed me saying, you know, styled by you because she she had some pieces, she had a blouse on that she bought a few years ago. And then we also launched recently an earring subscription and we had picked as a surprise for her the earrings we thought would go well with her pieces that she'd already bought. And, you know, she was sending me, and it was just so lovely. And, and this was somebody in her 70s. So it, it's it's wonderful to see that reinvigoration and joy that, you know, think yeah. can, because as I say clothes is not knife and death, but but it can make it makes a difference to how you feel. You know how you how you look does make a difference to how you feel, and I think that's really important to look at. Everyone deserves to be able to wear things and look in a way that they feel great. And clothes can be this: the outside can be catalyst for change for the inside. When all yeah. of a sudden you feel visible again, and so you're somebody once is seeking you out then all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe that opens up some possibilities internally Absolutely. for me that I never thought about. So I'm a strong believer that clothes can be a huge catalyst for change for women that have yeah. kind of settled in. I mean, I think we're, we're fed, you settle into who you've been or you evolve into who you're going to be next, you know, mm -hmm. and without the stories, the narratives, the visuals, and you're giving women the visuals, and then you're giving them a product to actually start to begin that change. So, and I love that yeah. you focus on color and pattern and cause that is the hardest thing for women. We start to dress to disappear. Exactly. And I always say, you know, it's like walking out on a spring day versus a winter day, which one makes you happier. And right. And so many women have said to me, you know, I wear navy or black to, cause it makes me feel safe. Yeah. And to hide. And look, uh, there's nothing wrong with navy and black. I mean, I'm wearing something navy right now. <laughs> um, but I mean, as you can see, it's also got quite a big print yeah. on it and it's, if that's the reason you're wearing it, that is not a healthy relationship with yourself and your self-esteem. So, you know, wearing a color that's just, I mean, for me, my favorite color is pink. So as soon as I wear pink, I just feel like a strong, powerful person yeah. and just color and prints can make such a difference to, to how you feel. I mean, there's that whole psychology behind, you know, which, what colors mean and things like that, but it's really important. I think actually the pandemic, certainly I've seen more people start to, to appreciate that actually you know before the pandemic there's still quite a big sense of you know clothes and fashion it's so frivolous it's it's narcissistic but actually I think with the lockdowns and people spending a lot of their time originally in like loungewear and sweatpants they started to realize how that affected their mental state mm -hmm. and actually we've seen more and more people going I want to dress up you know even when I can't go out I'll, I'll dress up for dinner downstairs in a gown you know <laughs> and that's so lovely and yeah. I think there's it's quite interesting how there's it's been a slight catalyst for change there in attitudes so talk about how you started you started with four brands four or yes. five right and how did you choose those initially? So, well, and also let's talk about how it works because I love the idea that you follow a customer that you will add into her wardrobe. Yes. Based on what she's ordered before. So tell us a little bit more about how the platform works. So, yeah, so it started with four labels and um, there were small, four small British labels. And I think a big thing that you know, people don't know a lot about in the externally is the the world of wholesale in the fashion industry so i.e stocking another brand and the 
there's so many issues with seasonality and things like that which get fueled by it and when I decided to I kind of resolved that I was going to launch the website I think it was like November 2015 and I was kind of I was a bit scared and I and I had a mentor who really gave me a really good kick saying look you've got a little bit of money just do it just get going and so that was really good and but because it was November all the books had closed for brands you know I couldn't go to trade shows that being said even if I had gone to trade shows I did I had already been going to them just to feel out brands and they were so negative at the idea of somebody you know before oh yeah I mean I remember coming out of one of them and fuming ranting to my boyfriend on the phone because I couldn't believe at how you know as soon as I even said the word over women over 40 it was like a recoil in horror one person said yeah but we have young people wearing our clothes I said I didn't say that can't happen I just said it it would look great on somebody who's older as well and so, and my boyfriend actually said to me, well, this is, this is the point. Doesn't, so you should take this as a, as, as, as a infuriating yep. as it is. This is, this is your, this is your momentum. So, so then I found these four little um, British brands and they, you know, just helped get things off the ground. But ultimately I had other, you know, other brands as well that I had, I would love to have added to the collection. And so it's one of those things where it just takes time, particularly online. I mean, I always wanted to be online because it makes sense these days and also it gives wider access. But there's still, particularly in the kind of premium market, which is where our brands are, there's quite a fear of online still. There's still a lot of we've got to support the small high street boutiques versus the online and don't get me wrong I am fully supportive of the small boutiques but I I do believe that online and offline can coexist and you know it's a difference experiences there's a big you know and there's a big difference between a small boutique online versus Amazon so but there's still a lot of resistance to online so there was it was quite hard to get you know designers to be interested because of that or their agents to say you know they needed to see more traction so it took a lot of time to build up but what's great is now we have brands coming to us but really for me what I look for brands that hold our values of age inclusivity and quality is really important and beautiful like flattering cuts and say a bit of bit of playfulness in there a bit of fun and so when I curate the collections, I'm very particular with what I'm very picky. I, I think some of the, the designers and agents would get quite annoyed. I spend hours at their showrooms. I try everything on, which is also interesting. A lot of people, buyers do not try the clothes on at all. And it makes a huge difference. Um, uh, and so I try all the stuff on. I also know with the model because we've had models of different shapes and sizes so we're able to try the clothes on them also at the photo shoots and we can go that doesn't work anymore we're getting rid of that piece so we can pull things in and out like that and really you know it's about matching up color palettes pieces that are versatile but still can stand alone on their own and I mean I have all my spreadsheets where I move the clothes and put them all next to each other to how make fun sure is that all... that would be a yeah. job right there <laughs> do you know what it is but then you start there is obviously an element of restraint that you have to exercise mm. which can sometimes be quite difficult sometimes there are pieces that I absolutely adore but you have to go no I have to be tough right now and yeah that's not going to be right for our customer or just or it's a risky piece so it can be it can be tough but now we're actually also looking at bringing in some lifestyle brands Um, I'm really excited today we've just received stock of some beautiful hand-poured candles by a British label they're not on the site yet but we're you know because we see the bias cut as you know an attitude a, a lifestyle as much as wearing clothes as you say it's about female empowerment and feeling right. you can do whatever you want whatever your age so we're bringing in some products um lifestyle products that will you know enhance that and really hopefully continue to help you flourish as much as possible so let me ask you do you hold the stock or are you you buy and hold stock yeah it's a combination we hold some stock we um some, well, we all we hold everything physically and that's really important to me 
I don't like because a lot of websites do drop shipping mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, you'll go through the website. I mean, it's basically like an Amazon. It'll come right. from someone else. And for me, the customer experience is paramount. And the problem with all that is you end up things go wrong. I've had my own experience as a person personally shopping. So for us, everything has to go through us in terms of quality check presentation everything's beautifully gift wrapped in ribbon and tissue paper and it just means we can present everything make sure we can give the best experience possible to our customers so yes everything goes through us and then with stock it's mostly you know wholesale we 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 have and then some exclusive pieces and and also some of our own our own pieces oh you're doing your own branded pieces yes so we've had um when we did the i've always wanted to launch my own label and I've dipped my toe in it. It's quite the manufacturing is a completely other yeah. new beast. And so it's something that is kind of gradually um, working on. But what we did do is when we launched the strikeout ageism campaign in March, we we designed some t-shirts, very simple, but really beautiful quality t-shirts with a little bit of embroidery on them. So there are pieces in there. I've also designed some earrings. So there's pieces in there that certainly have our our contribution well I mean everything has services to say I'm very particular with with what we stock but yeah we're hopefully going to be able to evolve more and more what we'd love to be able to offer our customers where do you find you know who are the four labels that you started with and are they still with you or have you evolved past those and into others well honestly they have they're not with us anymore for a variety of reasons one, sadly, it became quite evident they did not believe in age inclusivity. So, oh. um, so that was um, immediately, uh, well, that's not going to work. The others are, to be honest, when they're small brands, they've some have been able to survive and some haven't. Um, one yeah. of them I would love to be able to still to still sell, but they just haven't they haven't really been able to continue. So they 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 were sort of small little ones, but once but now we go now the probably the most well-known brand that we sell is scotch and soda which okay, is obviously yeah. I know is quite well known is big in america as well and that's a very focused edit with them and then the other labels are a mixture of british and european a couple of our european brands are particularly popular called there's one called fabian chapeau and pom amsterdam and they're actually both from amsterdam and they're all around color and they really perfectly balance easy silhouettes with as a print and color and liveliness and that's what's so nice about them is people can easily go I can wear that dress but it's got an awesome print on it and there's also the there's little attention to details as well like Fabian Chapeau always has a little charm on everything um scotch and soda actually I know they didn't they did for a while and they're bringing it back you know you can get little necklaces with some of their things so it's those little attention to detail and then the jewelry is a big thing for us and um, a lot of our jewelry is handmade by independent designers women here in the UK um Polly McClay is very popular um with our customers and it's a great material really light to wear but really affordable and that's um yeah so we're really happy to be able to support those smaller brands as well well, I think jewelry I with my styling clients, um, when it's somebody is so afraid to introduce color, jewelry is a great way to it's do that. It's a great way to do it. It's such um, a good starter. And yep. we found that the earrings that in particular we wear, we sell have a, a real mix of colors and they they're so they're so popular and they're so they're so much fun and they're easy to wear and they look heavier than they are. They're so lightweight, but this it's almost surprising to think how light the polymer clay is. But it's um, yeah, that's why we introduced the um, earring subscription I mentioned earlier, where you it's for three months and you get a surprise pair every month. Oh, that's fun. Um, yeah. So it's like a little gift to yourself or somebody else um, because, you know, there's such an easy thing to wear and enjoy. So is it a subscription model or is it is it both? Oh, the subscription is purely for that. That the earrings particular, or the jewelry. Okay. The earrings that that's that's one particular offering everything else is you know, per, is is standard purchase as and when um you would like to buy something <laughs> well you become a trailblazer advocate for age inclusion is that something that you imagined happening when you started the bias cut no not <laughs> at all and i think uh, do you know the thing that i found really interesting was from, also from the blog i was really concerned about the fact that i was younger that it, it as i said 
it would get, create a negative it would it would prompt negative reactions so when I started the blog whilst I was honest with who I was I kind of took a slightly more behind the scenes role and it was through again conversations with women they said no but I really like the fact you're younger it's different it's interesting you know you're flying the flag for women and so that's how I I never thought I would become more of the face of the brand that has happened and that's just because of the reaction I think I can possibly count on one hand now the number of women who've reacted poorly to the fact that I'm younger and you know so it's generally been a really wonderful reaction and communities and women like yourself have been so receptive to the fact that I'm younger so so that's yeah I mean it's something I obviously love doing and and it's a great I never thought I'd be a writer or a speaker in those sorts I enjoy doing it but I didn't envisage that for myself but it's something that I am you know I love to be able to do and I love to be able to keep pushing the conversation along and you know pushing the you know pushing against certain ideas encouraging different train of thoughts it's it's a it's a really stimulating thing to be able to do in a way that as I said I never thought I'd have that opportunity. Well, I love the whole intergenerational opportunity to learn from each other. Um, And I think that it's really powerful for an older woman to see a younger woman care about her and think and talk to her and really listen, because I think that's what we lose sometimes is our value and having someone give us that power back is really wonderful. So I can see why people are well, as I say to people, you know, a man should not be interested in women's rights just because he's a man. Yeah. You know, just because something doesn't affect you personally doesn't mean you should ignore it. And actually, ageism is the only ism that could affect every single person. Right. So it's something that we should all be talking about, all engaging with, whether you're experiencing it, someone else is experiencing it. And also the other thing that people often forget is ageism can occur at any age it's not it's not just for people as they get older it's it's any sort of prejudice based on someone's age so you know there's a lot of ageism towards younger people today and what we're seeing as a result though is so much divide I I don't know how much it's happening as much in the states but here every day in the press it's it's generation versus generations hating on each other and you know people saying you don't deserve um, there was something the other day, it was around, you know, you've had the the housing crisis is your fault for younger people. So, you know, we don't deserve to be supported in this. And it's there's so much animosity going on uh, and it's fueled a lot by the media. And I think by having intergenerational communication, not only do we realise actually we have a lot more in common than people think. I mean, a lot of my friends are older. My boyfriend's 12 years older than me. And... You know, the, the, somebody said to me, the only re- time you know about the age difference is kind of um, cultural references. Uh-huh. And that's the same with my boyfriend. So he'll, he was born in 1980. So he'll talk about 80s and I'm, you know, pretty clueless. But I now <laughs> love the 80s. I've learned so much. And it's, you know, it's, there's so much more you can do to enrich your lives. And then also there are differences that we can, then, if we actually talk to each other, we can understand them and start with some healing. But it's, there's a lot of anger around, certainly here in the UK, um, amongst generations. And that was what I was talking to the other day. It was I was saying how I I, I put a little um, promotion around the ageism has never started on Instagram. About it was January, and it was so interesting that the number of comments from people who seemed to be teenagers got really nasty really really negative and saying things you know older people don't deserve this and it's you know how can you suggest this is even close to racism not that I was anyway um and they got very and there was even like oh this is hilarious and it was really eye-opening and and seeing about that but it's because they themselves are hurting and feel right I was going to say the value hasn't against. taken their so, values so they're sort away. of thinking well why do you deserve now to be look you know why do, do older people deserve to have people caring about them because I don't feel cared about right so so that's why we've got to really start talking to one another a bit more openly and honestly and hopefully we can move forward It'd be really interesting to do a mother-daughter or an aunt 
niece kind of a grandmother daughter panel and conversation. Mm -hmm. I did an interesting virtual styling event and my daughter and I wore the same pant, but we styled it for, she's 21 and I'm 59. So we styled it completely different. But again, it's seeing, pulling people together in some sense of a commonality, exactly what you're talking about. And, and realizing the value of both generations I think is so important. I know that the Black Lives Matter movement really opened my eyes up to valuing my kids' opinions yep. based on their life experience. They have a certain opinion based on my life experience. I have a different opinion, but they're both equally valuable. So learning to listen to each other, I think, is an important tool. And, and if we can do it around something like fashion, it could be really interesting. It's fun. I mean, it's like you say, my rule is, I mean, I'm wearing pieces, I wear pieces from our collection all the time. My rule is if I wouldn't want to wear it, why should somebody older have to wear it? Because so often that's the problem is the people are given these secondary options. Somebody said to me, but when he worked in a high, a very well-known high street shop in, in England, that when somebody in their 40s came in, they were kind of encouraged to just direct them to the back for the rubbish stuff, you know, mm. and that was their policy. So my my rule is if someone at 29 doesn't want, want to wear something, why should somebody older? I might wear it in a different way. I might not suit everything because, again, my body is different. Right. But, but what is interesting is then having women my age looking at the sites and going, hang on, is I don't think that's meant for me because of the model, but I would totally wear that. And again, it shouldn't be that just because someone older is wearing something, you should be put, you should assume it's not for you anyway. But it's really important. And as you say, I think style is a great form of communication and, and you know, expressing yourself. So that's a great way for people to connect. And where do you find your models? I know that you use older models. And have you, did you have difficulty finding models? Yes. Yeah, so when I started, it was just friends as a family. Um, like, for example, my my boyfriend's mum, she was one of the original models. And I was going to say, your mom is beautiful. I, has she modeled for you? She does not like, she's oh, very, she, I was like, she, she has, should celebrate the credit. I know, she does, she, to her credit, she really tr puts herself out there to do things for me and to support me that she wouldn't naturally be comfortable to do. So we've done a couple of little at home photo shoots and, um, and she did take one photograph, but she's very camera shy. So I, I don't, I don't like to push her to, to have to do it, but, um, but most of them were family friends. And then over time, what we started to do is we did public call outs. And again, it was interesting how every season, we had more and more people applying to the point where I actually didn't like it. I felt quite bad. I hated having to say no to people because I wanted to be able oh. to feature everyone. But, you know, there's limited time in a day at a photo shoot. So you have to, you, you'll know, you, you have to only be able to use one or two people. So I found that really difficult, but it was wonderful to see more and more people saying they wanted to give it a go. And also some of the women who model for us have actually gone on to sign with agencies, oh, uh, which great. is also wonderful. And they said, I'd never thought of this as a career, but you, you gave me that confidence. And then with this season, I also was thinking a bit because we'd also had professional older models approach us who wanted to work with us. And my rule had always been, no, it's non-professional models. But the more I was thinking about it, and uh, I was thinking about how, you know, these are women who are earning, you know, their careers and just as with anything, they deserve to be able to have opportunities. And and I'm always criticizing the lack of older models in campaigns. Uh, so then if we're not supporting older right. models careers, that would be that's actually being hypocritical. So this season we decided I'm really, we're really excited to actually bring in some professional models and they all again had different backgrounds. So two of the models, Mickey and Jane were actually models in the eighties. So, and then they've, and that, you know, we've got, we've got clips that we're going to share again, really interesting insights are saying how they couldn't get work until the last yeah. five years because of their age. And then one of the models, Rachel, she only became a model in, at 46 after being a nursery teacher. And then one of the other models, Venus, she was in the um, Dove campaign oh, okay. for yeah. um, Real Women you know, about 15 years ago or something. And again, she's only just started modeling professionally. So it was really wonderful bringing them into the fold. And we're still going to obviously feature women who haven't modeled before, but 
it's important for us to support women who who have that professional experience because they're qualified you know just because they look like beautiful women that's what their job is so yeah. it, and there's a lot of skill also as you'll know involves modeling anyway it's not just standing there in front of a camera so we're really happy to be able to welcome them to the family this season well i love that i and many of the models in celebrate the great were former models or are part of agencies that they're not getting any work and they deserve to have that work just you know, it's with anybody there's a lot of talk around ageism with employment and that is part of it it's just you know there's that overlap here and we know there's also gendered ageism so women in particular struggle as they get older um with, with their jobs so just because that's their has been their profession doesn't suddenly mean they should be discriminated against any more so than anybody else what do you find a big difference between the us and europe in ageism I think the US is more open to ideas. I think that I've certainly found the US has been very open to the concept that we believe in, which is you have a right to age however you want. It's your choice. That if it is even having Botox, as long as it was your choice, that's your choice. Same with going gray. It shouldn't feel, it shouldn't be because of pressure. You know, the problem with we've seen Hollywood is the actresses clearly felt they had to do it to right. get jobs. So that's the problem. But if it was done for really personal reasons, that's, that's your own choice. Whereas in the UK in particular, there's more of a strict point of view about what aging now looks like. And in particular, it is, you have to go gray. Now, if you're dying, your hair, you're denying your age and it's awful if you have any fillers and all these things. And so it's almost, whilst it's almost turned around. It's going to the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. And that's, and whilst it's obviously wonderful that people are embracing going gray, not everyone wants to go gray. Right. Not everyone does go gray. And my, my mom's got great hair. She has red on top that she dyes. And then she has her white spits around the side. You can do what you want. And I think that that we're slightly behind in that way of thinking. And the other thing is, certainly in the UK, is one of the, with the research project that we're about to do around ageism. Yeah, tell us more about that because I read a yeah. little bit. And so it's, it's funded by the UK Research Institute. And it's actually been something that was worked on for a while. So I was brought in back but in it would have been in early last year in 2020 some of us started having a conversation and we really wanted to work on this project for um with charity and also research at university of kent around ageism and there was a grant that was available and it was a three-pronged approach originally this so there was fashion which was obviously the arm i was involved with um, and then there was the workplace and finance and it was pitched and it didn't get through. But one of the reasons we, we were realizing where we were kind of at a brick wall is ageism or aging was still being thought of as the last five years of life. So whereas the research that we wanted to do was again about age inclusivity and aging throughout the entire life course they were only interested in funding or supporting the last, improving the last five years of life. So that we realized we were a bit ahead of the game there. And I think we still are a little bit, but fortunately another um, uh, opportunity came up through a business actually that I've mentored. They helped develop business um, entrepreneurs and business ideas. And one of them was around aging. So I'd helped mentor some of their their cohort and so they brought in a new uh, opportunity and so I said to and I said it's a smaller one but I said to the team let's go for it with the fashion so replied and um Hannah who's at the University of Kent she we got the grant so that's it's it's technically launching now and we're we're just working out kind of the the complete direction that it's going to go in but essentially what we want to do is look at ageism in the fashion industry, first starting with within, really understanding and bringing in people from the industry from different angles, whether it's journalists, designers, 
manufacturing um brands whatever and we want to bring them all in so we can really get to the root of the issue and why the why the industry is so resistant because whilst there has been some progress you and i know it's quite incremental and it's quite superficial there is so much just tokenism and like you said earlier one of the biggest things that brands get wrong is just because you can feature an older model in a campaign doesn't mean your clothes actually suit an older woman's body shape, for example. So there's so many blockages there. So that's what we're really going to get to the root of is that. And then hopefully we'll have a platform that then develops beyond that, bringing together people to explore ageism and hopefully even beyond fashion as well. So it's an exciting, it's just, it's just started, but it's exciting. And it's been, it's great to be the, the kind of the business lead on it. I'm really privileged to be able to to do that. Yeah, I, I mean, it definitely needs discussion. I always talk about the education of decision makers. Absolutely. And you see a lot of these designers are older and they're still featuring 20 and 30 year olds in their advertising, which I, and the money's not there. The money is with the older um, consumer. So it doesn't, when you put all the variables down on a table, it doesn't add up. It's, um, it doesn't it's make this, sense. No, it's this whole thing about it being aspirational but as I always say it's aspirational not delusional (laughs) somebody can't to aspire to be 20 years younger than they are they can't reverse time so it's about aspiring to be the best version of yourself now right and so I mean seeing we all seen you know the beauty campaigns with 25 year olds modeling and for anti-wrinkles and it's just it just it's it's getting actually really tiresome. And what's really great is whereas 10 years ago, I think it was still kind of the norm. And certainly when, you know, when I started the developing the idea in 2012, it wasn't really discussed. Now there are more and more women who actually say, said to me, if I see that happen, I actually go the other way. It really right. annoys me. So I think brands are still going to have to wake up, but then they, then there's another hierarchical issue because you're dealing with, you know, stakeholders and shareholders. And right. often, they want sadly, this return on investment yeah, immediately. And, yeah. And of course, if if they're if people are still buying from them, even right. if they don't believe in the messaging, if they're still buying from them, why would they change? Right. They'll go, well, you still it's the same like with racial diversity. People go in a makeup brand where you don't cater to you don't feature a you know a, a black woman. Well but if you're still buying that product, then they're not going to suddenly right. change, turn around and go, OK, we'll do it. And sadly, you also have well, often, as we know, right at the top, it's men and still in the fashion, even though the fashion industry is predominantly women at the very top, it's men. And they have their own gendered idea of how a right. woman should look right there was a big campaign here by a high street department store it was about 10 years ago and, and claire ginsler who's the stylist i work very close with starred that campaign and it was very forward thinking it was diversity it had shape age disability ethnicity it was a beautiful campaign and apparently it got and it got amazing response like online and social media but then they went into the boardroom and the male um, people at the top went, well, I don't think they look very nice. So yeah. we're not going to do it again. And because that, and also their stat, their figures hadn't changed. They didn't see yeah. an uplift in, in their sales and they were like, mm, not worth it. So, so they've not done it again. And it just, you know, that's where the, the consumer has to recognize their power and responsibility to also really vote with their wallets and, and stand by their values. Right. And that's something that we talk a lot about is that buying into the age denial messaging that you're you're telling you're sending the wrong message to decision makers and then speak with your wallet find those brands that are really representing the older consumer in an authentic way and let your dollar speak and are there brands that you feel are doing a good job outside of brands that you represent yeah i think there's some really interesting high fashion brands that are are doing a good job with I mean Gucci's an interesting one obviously because they feature a lot of different diversity they've done some really beautiful campaigns around diversity there still isn't a huge amount of age but you know they, yeah. they they've done some very interesting campaigns I think that to be honest I it's generally the smaller ones there's a few high street brands like there's a high street brand called Whistles that's recently featured an older model quite prominently and 
Marks and Spencers, so some of the quite obvious high street ones, but then there's another issue with people not liking the product. But it's, I was, I saw at London, for example, at London, uh, sorry, it was New York Fashion Week this year, and it was Brandon Maxwell. And I saw oh. the report, it was a report, and it said, age is, aging is in. And it was the fact that he brought his grandma on the runway. I mean, how is that suddenly being Asian? I really didn't understand. I really, and this is the problem with the fashion industry. You see one old model, right. and they give the pat, big old pat on the back, and you think you're you're you've, you've done, done a good it. job. Yep. And it's the same with bringing back the supermodels. You know, there are you know Cindy Crawford and Naomi Campbell. Yes, they and they look amazing on the runway, but it's not the same as featuring a, a, a normal traditional model. So. Yeah, it's very bumpy. I'm trying to think of other brands off the top of my head, but I think the I mean Zara did an interesting. Yeah, Zara's uh, been Zara's can be quite interesting. Yeah. Um, a Mango did one with Lynn Slater. They did a campaign oh, okay. with her. But uh, the other thing then is though, sometimes it's not clear though in the way they present whether it's really aimed at that older consumer or whether it's done in a slightly tongue-in-cheek kind right. of way so some of the campaigns I feel have been like that and it's not it, it's almost sort of funny patronizing of the old I saw a really awful campaign where they put two wonderful models I think in their 50s or 60s and they just you know they had skateboards and and oh. um uh, really like well basically clothes that most people over over the age of 20 wouldn't probably wear and it just felt very wrong so yeah. I think I think there's there is definitely progress but I think it comes back to exactly what you said earlier as well talking to the consumer because I think there are also brands that have felt they sort of check in with the consumer maybe once every few years and they think they've done their job uh, rather than evolving. That's why, you know, having our campaign and forum ages and stem results great because we're in constant dialogue with our customers and our followers. Um, there are some platforms and I've seen quite a lot of businesses come out in the last five years that are targeting 50 plus who get it very wrong. And they don't understand the nuances and the com- subtleties and complexities of this demographic. There's still a lot of lumping everyone together, very mass appeal. Um, there's been ones where I've, you know, I have given input and you can kind of tell when they're going to probably not work. Some will listen, some won't, but it's those it's yeah it's those subtleties. It's the language, it's understanding the language, it's the the game language. Yeah. Right? We were part of a campaign that they use the word modest. And I said, you know, you can be modest at any age. Don't throw modest on someone that's older because that's not what everybody wants. No, Um, absolutely. And modest fashion now also applies to a lot of people who want to cover up more, maybe for religious reasons as well. So, yeah, I mean, those kind of, well, there's also that, you know, the age appropriate, everyone knows, you know, that as being a word. And and that's why we did the Strike Out Ageism campaign, because it was about transforming words that were negative. Well, almost could be seen as a compliment, like, oh, you've still got it into yeah. positives. So we crossed out the still because it's a backhand, it's a bit of a backhanded compliment. Um, yeah. So yeah, language is so important. And that's though where the bigger brands have to take the lead a little bit because consumers also only really know the language that they that they commonly, the vocabulary that they see every day. So if a smaller brand tries to use other language, it will only go so far because consumers also won't necessarily understand what they're talking about. So that's why you, you also need the bigger brands to take the lead and go, we're not using this language anymore. We're not saying anti-aging. We're not saying age appropriate. We're using these terms. And that's how the smaller brands can really do well. Well, it's a small, you know, we're all doing the, the, a lot of little work that we're, it's all starting to add up. So I applaud the work you're doing so and, much. You know, I think it's a ripple effect. Yeah. One, of the, one of the bits of feedback with the, the original research project that got rejected was that, I mean, they didn't say my name, but they said the the brand, i.e. the bicycle, hadn't had, they said, basically, we had been unsuccessful at, resolving ageism and therefore were not valid as a business partner i mean basically you might as well say black lives matter have been unsuccessful at eradicating racism so you should just ignore all their work i mean it was the most ridiculous statement but 
also, aside from the fact that it was stupid, frankly, <laughs> it, it was nonsensical, it it also completely, I mean, it did feel quite insulting at the time, but it devalued also everything we've done because we don't know, you know, there's a ripple effect. Right. And even the fact that, we, you know, as I said, we've had women who've ended up modelling. We know women who have changed their their style and you know who they know and then the messages that pass on even if you're not huge doesn't mean it's not having an impact so i think to to think to measure success in that way was a very crude way of looking at things i thought but i think yeah it was a bit demoralizing at the time but it, it kind of made me go actually you know i know that we are having an impact and we are all coming together and work what you're doing yourself you know just because we're not you know a big name in the the fashion industry or whatever doesn't mean we're not actually having you know getting into the the core issues and having an impact so speaking about business and impact and and the listeners to this podcast are a lot of women in their 50s that are sitting on an idea and not having the strength or the courage to go forward knowing all that you know now, any advice? I think the first thing is if you've got an idea, just get going. The best thing you can do is just get going. Even if it's not the full, even if you've got a vision and you can't realize it straight away, doesn't mean you can't start. So I would certainly say don't let, whether it's financial or emotional or circumstantial, obstacles stop you from just even dipping your toe in the water you know even when I just started the block it was doing something right and you see and you can grow and and things are developing and it's like I always say with websites for example don't spend all your money at the beginning on this big fancy website because your brand's going to change your business is going to develop and evolve and then you're going to need to revamp it so just start with something simple and just get going. I think also don't let people, obviously there's a, there's a difference between listening to the right people and knowing when to dismiss the, uh, the wrong ones. And, and that can be very hard, particularly with your, you know, I'm somebody who suffers from anxiety and depression, and it can be really difficult sometimes to, to feel if they've said that I've had in particular, a lot of men, Mm. say I don't get why this is an issue and is that really worth it but the fact that's the 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 good example was the day I created ageism is never in style was because I went I knew I wanted to do something and I went along to a, a startup entrepreneurs session where you kind of got like 20 minutes with different people different mentors and they were all male entrepreneurs and they were so dismissive of what I was doing. And they were frankly quite derogatory. I also got told that I couldn't run a business on my own as a woman. And I've heard that several wow. times that you have to have a business partner if you're a woman and you can't do this on your own. And by the end of the circuit, and I, even one, one person literally said to me, your idea is really boring. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so by the time, I think after about an hour and a half, I got to the last person, I was fuming. I mean, I was so angry and I was so direct and blunt. And the funny thing is, not only did he then follow up with me and say, you know, I was impressed with your directness, like, let's talk. It was that evening that I, I, I went actually that evening to a talk on racial diversity in fashion. And it was the talk and the power of the consumer and what we can do. And that fire, that, that, um, that that session had given me that made me go I'm no I need to, I'm doing something that really brings people together to get to get their voices heard and that's how ages and never still was born that evening the name for it so you know even though I got knocked back quite a bit you can turn into fuel to keep you going and what's the other thing I would say don't be afraid if it's wanting to do something in, a, in an industry or an area that you haven't got a huge amount of experience in because I'm an example of the fact I had no experience. My whole family are lawyers. My friends are lawyers. You know, I have no contacts beyond law, basically. <laughs> and 
even my, even my godfather's a lawyer. And he said to me, it's like, I don't know how I can help you now. And so I just networked and networked and networked and went to lots of different things. And yeah, it's scary. Nobody likes networking naturally because it is intimidating going up to people and, and just introducing yourself. But it made such a difference building that network and building a network of people who can support you. Now, two of my non-exec directors are people that I you know, connected with a few years ago through networking, lost touch. And then they got back in touch with me last summer and said, look, I've picked up on what you're doing again. I really like this. Can we get involved? So just building that network, you never know when those people might actually prove to to also help and support you. But don't, yeah, don't be afraid. Just, it, it comes back again to just educating yourself. Educate yourself, always be willing to learn and network and you can, Sometimes not having experience in an industry is good because you also have a refreshing different perspective rather than seeing things as, well, this is the way it's done. You can say, well, actually, I want to do things differently. So don't be afraid if you've got an idea, but you almost don't know where to start. Just just try something small. Um, So even starting a website or or Instagram or something like that, just to test things and talk people, just go for it. Yeah, great advice. I so thank you for um, being here today. I know it's the end of your day and beginning of mine, but it's always well. I'm a- off to dance class in about oh, half an hour. So nice. Uh, what kind yeah. of dance? I do hip hop dancing, which a lot of people are surprised about. But I did a lot of dance. It was my alongside fashion. It was my other main love in life. And in another world, I would have loved to have been a dancer. But I, I trained in ballet and tap and modern and everything. But hip hop is actually the style that I particularly excel in which as I say most people assume I'd be more ballet but um but yeah it's hip-hop so that'll be fun that's a good outlet to have yeah um so tell people how they can find you so bias cut is the biascut.com and then we're on instagram at the bias cut boutique there's also my own personal one if you want to get in touch and I'm always you know happy to help and support um and that's jacinth at jacinth dot Bassett I think is I mean there's not many Jasons Bassett so yeah. you'll probably find me quite easily <laughs> we'll put it and, in the notes too yeah and um also we're on Twitter and Pinterest and Facebook but I'd say probably because of the visual impact of the brand Instagram social media is the, the main channel that we're on we also have a separate ages and never style channel on Instagram where there's quite a lot of content around quotes and inspiring ideas and, and videos so um do check us out over on there and um yeah that's um and, and message for well, we're human beings we're not this we're not a robot behind a screen so don't be afraid if you just want to send a question or anything like that well congratulations on your success and Thank have you. has u.s consumer found you do yes you- yeah we have got u.s consumers we've uh i mean i think I'd love to be able to, as a small business, it's not the easiest with import and yeah. export duties. So, and I'd really love to be able to resolve that. I mean, we've, we're experiencing that now with, with Brexit. Oh, I mean, for our, sure, yeah. our European consumer has dropped off quite significantly because of it. So, but yeah, the US has been very supportive since very early on. Um, and hopefully we can get more, basically because also the brands you can't really get over there. So, so yes, the US, US is probably our number number it might be number two now after the uk it would have been three after a couple of places in europe three or four but now that's dropped off a bit so unfortunately the u the european consumer hasn't quite got used yet to the fact they have to pay duties Mm. so that's proving a little bit of a sticky issue but i have to say also what you do is amazing and i remember that when we first chatted you gave me such interesting thought and inspiring we were talking about the models and and how they've got they're real women with stories and that actually really inspired me and I took it to the team and we're talking about it and it's something we want to do is tell more stories of women and it's something we're gonna hopefully we're we're thinking of sort of doing something maybe in the new year around that so I have to say what you do is amazing and I wish we we could keep talking more often I I hope we can keep in contact because I think what you do and your insights are just so spot on it's um it's really brilliant well it would be a great mentorship a a two-way mentorship so yeah absolutely you can keep in touch (laughs) but I do think that it's the power of the narrative and the visual women need that because we get caught so caught up and I could never do that 
And then when you hear their stories, it's like, oh, she is just like me. And that gives women so much power. So thank you for noticing that and recognizing that and also valuing the consumer enough to talk to her. I mean, that makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, So ultimately, that's who we're here to serve. So, you know. Well, it's been so great talking to you. I always love talking to you. I follow you and everything you're doing and congratulations. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's keep going with the conversation and, you know, we'll make, we're, we're making a difference already and we'll keep doing it. Yes. We'll have a good dance class. Thank um, you. (laughs) We will definitely be in touch. Have a great day. I know my day is just starting. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information on all of our guests, go to brand50.com, where you'll find show notes and other resources to help guide you through the next exciting phase of your life. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, along with other platforms, and write us a review while you're there. You can also sign up for our email list on our site to get the latest podcast updates. We promise you won't get a constant barrage of emails from us, and you can bet we'll protect your privacy as well. You can also follow us on social media accounts listed on our site. Thank you for listening.